Well, we are in a, just a, a two-part series. Usually our sermon series are four parts, but this is a two-part series on Daniel. So open up your Bibles, um, and I'm just excited to, to get into this. Daniel, we're going to pick up um, probably chapter 3. I'm going to summarize a little bit. And in fact, we're going to put up this quick little timeline. We, we're going to begin with King Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, okay? And he took the Hebrews back to Babylon. So let's put that slide up. He took them as slaves. We mentioned last week that Daniel was forced to serve in the palace uh, because of his intellect and uh, his, his stature and all these things. And uh, they served there uh, for three years. Daniel respectfully refused to eat the king's food. And when that happened, of course, uh, like I shared last week, that the king was given a nightmare, I believe, uh, by the Lord. Um, and as we talked about last week, this nightmare of this big, you know, this big statue and that the king was the head of this statue and that Jesus would be the little rock that would come and hit the clay and iron feet. And that was, of course, Rome, the fourth excuse me, world power that would collapse and so that only Jesus, everybody say only Jesus, is truly king and Lord of all. And that's where we landed the plane last week. But I wanted to just kind of um, summarize that quickly. And I want to begin today's message. Again, same story. We're going to look at chapter 4 and 5 a bit. But I want to say in the same way with Daniel, this is true for you, there will always be things outside your control and things inside your control. Daniel could not control where he was. Carolyn, there's going to be times you can't control the way somebody reacts, the way maybe the government of Switzerland would react to something you're doing. Can't control that. But you can control how you respond. What did I say? Everybody's whispering all at once. What did I say? Sweden. You all heard me wrong. All of you. I must like my Swiss army knife, you know. Still, just a boy at heart. Okay. But Sweden, you know, there's times that like things are just out of your control. And by the way, that's a good thing to admit. Some of you are trying to maybe control things at work and you need to just stop. Because if, if there's things outside of your control, it's outside of your control. And you, you can say, Lord, I'm going to control what? My reaction. I'm going to control my convictions I'm going to lead my family, and I'm not going to try to. In fact, we talked about last week, right, the desire to control and sometimes to manipulate in order to control is not something that comes from the Lord. Absolutely, right? We talked about that last week. So while he couldn't control where he was, he could control who he was. And we're going to speak to this idea of identity. Um, like Daniel, we are traveling through. We're traveling through. I want to, I want to present this to you today. Because you've probably heard the verses, you know, that we're an alien in this world, that we're traveling through. But I wonder if you could think of it like this a little differently today. It's more that we're from a different time zone. Because you think about what Paul said. He said that there is a, 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 this present age. That we're in this present age. How many of you guys realize there's a, um, there's a time that you're trapped in? Turn to your neighbor if they don't know it, say, it's true. Just tell them, it's true. But realize that God is outside of time. So he's already seen this thing play out and he's not worried. A lot of Christians are worried and stressed and God's not up in heaven going, oh. right? 
Just put your hands high up real quick. Just say, Jesus is king. Come on, sometimes you got to say it till you believe it. Jesus is king. He knows what's going on. He's not stressed out. So the more time you spend with him, the more assurance and peace you'll have. Let me put it like this. Even though this present age continues, Christians belong to the age to come. What if we all said this together? Can we all say this together? Even though this present age continues, Christians belong to the age to come. In fact, let's make it personal. Let's take out the word Christians and say we, all right? Even though this present age continues, we belong to the age to come. Are you starting to get it now? Come on. We belong. We're going somewhere. I talk about that a lot, Rock of Grace. Jesus has prepared a place. He said, if it wasn't true, I wouldn't tell you. I'm telling you, I've gone to my father's house. I've prepared a place for you. And so we're journeying through. So no wonder you feel uncomfortable at times. No wonder it feels wrong at times. And we live in a culture that is incredibly chaotic, a culture that is continuing to decline and compromise and getting into more uh, chaos. Uh, man, somebody sent me a video last night right before bed, and I was just was shocked by it. This salon had let this man go in that identified as a woman, and, and, he, and it took the crowd to push the man out because the clerks wouldn't. How many believe, you realize, you, you're living in a culture that doesn't take objective truth anymore? And so it's, it's continuing to decline. A um, couple signs of that, right, is leaders without integrity. How many have, times have we seen that? Um, officials make wrong decisions, sometimes from a place um, of arrogance or abuse. You see officials resign or forced to resign or fired all the time. How many of you guys realize you can never put all of your faith in a man? All of your faith can only be in Jesus Christ. And again, I want to reiterate these things because that's the whole point of the book of Daniel is that you don't place your faith in, in a king, in a president, a governor, even a pastor. Can I say that? I'm going to do my, I do my absolute best to serve you, do my absolute best to love you. But trust me, there will come a time where I will let you down. There'll be a time when, you know, I wasn't, I didn't pick up the phone or whatever. And, and you could say, well, forget church. No, church is not about Jordan, it's not about Will, it's not about Ron, it's about Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. How about pastors sometimes, right? From Carl Lenz to Ravi Zacharias, we're shocked by these things. How does this happen? How do they lose their identity? How do they just, we say, well, what do you mean they just fell? Well, no, you look back and it was, it was months and years of starting to make worse and worse decisions as the enemy tells them to live for themselves. And that is the spirit of Babylon that we're going to talk about today. Because the spirit of Babylon says, live for yourself. I used to tell the teenagers, I, I preached this sermon one Halloween, one October, called Exposing the Enemy. And I remember I felt such um, like truth in it that I preached it every October. Exposing the enemy. And what I told them, and it's still true for you, it's true for a 13-year-old and it's true for a 43-year-old. I want you to hear this. Satan's lie, it's very simple, is to get you to live for you. If he can get you to live for you, you're living for him. And God's goal is to get you to live for God. And when you live for God, ironically, you have all that peace and all that joy that Satan's trying to counterfeit sell you. Satan's goal is to get you to live uh, for yourself. And in living for yourself, 
you actually destroy yourself and you buy into his lie and it's not what God wants for you. God, God says, come, come to me, come on, trust me. Let me be your father. Let me take care of you. Let me protect you. How many guys have ever read the Old Testament? You hear God calling out to them, oh, just come back to me. Oh, that you would repent and let me care for you. Let me provide for you. Let me protect you. And a lot of times we say, no, uh, I'm just going to do things my way. And that was the spirit of Babylon. The third sign of a culture in chaos and compromise is the what I'll call the new sexual revolution. Right? So the 70s brought us some great music, but unfortunately also brought us what many people call the sexual revolution, where sex outside of marriage became more normal and accepted. And sadly, um, you know, that philosophy and some of those ideas even crept into the church. And now it's so far. Because, see, some of you might not, and I, I still get shocked, and I'm even, you know, we don't realize, if we don't open our eyes to, to what's going on, that the spirit of the age is to lie to your kids, is to lie to you, and to attack your identity. And I don't know that there's anything more personal than your identity than your sexual identity. Can I say that again? I don't know that there's anything more personal than your identity, than your sexual identity. So Satan's been attacking that. I'm going to uh, play a couple videos that are cartoons. Remember when Blue's Clues used to be about can't find the glue stick? Does anybody have toddlers? I know, some of you are like, Right? used to be about letters, used to be about the alphabet, about friends. I want you to play that, that clip. Okay, let's pause for a minute. Before we play the next clip, I want you to understand something. I said this last week. Satan always mixed some truth in a lie. Actually, we said this a month ago, even with the Genesis series, right? Notice the lie of innovation and bravery. How many would say innovation and being brave is a good idea? Yes, right? Every leader will even tell you it's good to be brave, to innovate, to do new things. So look at what he says. Gonzo, now who's calling himself Gonzarella, do things. I don't want to do things the way they've always been done. Now, when you innovate something, that's the saying that you would use. 
But when you're saying, notice how the writer of the scene has Gonzo saying, I didn't want to just do things the way they've always been done, followed by, I want to be me. Me. And so Satan is telling kids, come on. And if you're struggling with this kind of sermon series and you say, well, no, I think you're inferring. I'm not inferring anything. That's a, that's gonzo. That's gonzo. Right? And parents, I'm just saying you got to be careful to what your kids are hearing seven days a week. So you as the parent, not me as the pastor. Can I help you this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, can he, he's going to help you. Because a lot of parents think it's the pastor's job to parent their kids. But it turns out it's your job. It's your job. It's your job to look at your kids and say, I love you. Honey, I'm proud of you. You're beautiful. You are a beautiful young lady. You're a princess. And to open scripture with them. And it's, it's important for you as dads to look at your sons and to look at your grandson and say, son, I'm proud of you. You are strong. You are smart. You're going to do great things for God. And to read scripture with them and to combat the lie. Right? And our, our kids' department does an amazing job. Amazing. I'm so thankful. Come on, actually, can you praise God real quick for Christine and Nate? Amazing. But you're the parent. You are the parent. That's with them seven days a week. And so you've got to... Be aware of what's being told. I'm going to play the other video if we can. And I want you to see, again, the de uh, deception going on. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. This, by the way, is a show for So I want you to, like, uh, you like can stop it, thank you. How many would say there's a problem? Right? All right, all right. Now, again, please hear me. You know, I am all about be loving, but you can be loving and stand on truth. And what the problem is, a lot of Christians make this one of two mistakes. They say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to cause a problem. I don't want to say anything. I, I don't want to appear rude and I don't want to, I don't want to appear whatever. And we learn from Daniel that you can stand in truth and walk in love. You can stand in truth and walk in love. Everybody say this with me. You can stand in truth and walk in love. Now you say, what does it have to do with the story of Daniel? Well, I was studying the story of Daniel. Guess what the king named him? Belshazzar, a female name. We're living in that same day and age. King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to change his identity, giving him a female name. Can I say it one more time? He's a man, giving him a female name. He's questioning his identity. 
His name, Belshazzar, or I'm sorry, the name Belshazzar means lady, protect the king. Daniel's name means God is my judge. There's a lot in a name. Hannah means Yahweh has been gracious. His name was changed to Shadrach to mean I am fearful of God. In other words, God is a tyrant to be feared. Mishael means who can compare to God? No one. So his very idea, his very name, Carolyn, said worship. No one compares to God. You know what his name was changed to? Meshach, which means I am despised and humiliated. You know, Satan wants to name you with shame. He wants to name you with shame. He wants to say, hey, you don't measure up and you're, you were actually made wrong and, you know, and he's going to tell your kids, your grandkids, you actually are living in the wrong body. And, and you as the parent, as the uncle, as the aunt, and I see you nodding along, I hope you're hearing this challenge this morning. You need to lovingly look them in the eye and affirm their identity as a child of God. Amen? Affirm their identity. And sometimes some of you in the, in the room, you need to look in the mirror and affirm your identity. So what do we do? Parents, you need to remember and recite what is timeless in changing times. Let me say it again. You need to remember and recite what is timeless in changing times. Number two, you need to take a stronger stance and reaffirm your commitment to teach the word of God. Take a stronger stance and reaffirm your commitment to teach the word of God. Explain what it means to glorify God. And kids and teenagers, listen to me. If you're struggling with your identity sexually, you, understand, you have to understand my heart goes out to you. I've talked to many young people and I can't imagine the barrage that they're under. When their hormones are already changing. So Satan is already playing on that vulnerable state where their hormones are changing. You need to understand that everything I'm talking about today comes from a place of love. I love you. If I, I'm, I love you, so I'm stopping you from running into the road and getting hit. How many, how many of you parents have ever grabbed your kid about pulled their arm right out of their socket? They look at you like, what would you do? Like, well, it was that Mack truck or it was me, right? <laughs> right? I love you enough. To say, here's a boundary that God wants for your life. Finding or courage in a culture of compromise, we said this last week, I want to say it again, it comes from a commitment to prayer. A commitment to prayer, daily Bible study. Guys, this is what Daniel, where is Daniel? He's praying. Where's Daniel? Oh, he's, he's in the window praying again. Oh, don't bother Daniel, he's in a meeting. There's times when I went, when I've uh, said, hey, I have a meeting. Somebody said, can I meet you at one? I'm like, oh, well, actually, I'm in a meeting from one to two. They don't know it's actually a meeting with God, but it's just, it's my meeting. I'm not going to change that. Why is it that God's always the thing that gets moved in your life? Meeting with God. Prayer time. Come on. Prayer time. In the word of God. Remind, why? Because when you do that, that's where you find the courage to, and that's where you remember who you are. As your identity. We're going to put up an uh, image we put up last week in just a minute. But first, I want to look at 1 Peter 3, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 8. 1 Peter 1. Sometimes I do think I'm dyslexic. Is anybody else, does anybody know you're dyslexic? Like somebody, you know, you were diagnosed? Yeah, three of you? 
only five of you were honest. I always read passages like that wrong all the time. I'll be like, 1 Peter 8, 3 through 1. And, I'm like, hmm. and I saw a post the other day, and it said, test this if you have ADD and dyslexia. And then I skipped down, and it, and it said, if you skip the above 12 lines and you went straight to this green line, yes, you have ADD and dyslexia. I was like, <laughs> I feel so defeated. Okay. Need to go off Facebook. All right, here we go. First Peter 1, 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So we're talking about your identity right now. You're born again. You're a child of God. Carrie, you're a son of God. Cody, you're a son of God. John, you're a son of God. Debbie, you're a daughter, a princess of God. You're born again into what a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, can't change, it's not going to go away, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Come on, who by God's power is being guarded? You're being guarded through faith for a salvation, this is a mouthful, ready to be revealed in the last time. You're from another age. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. How many have been grieved lately, right? You're grieved by the chaos in the world and in America, maybe your town. You're grieved so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though is tested by fire. I don't like being tested. Anybody else with me on that? Testing is not fun. Some of us, if you say, man, just so you know, you're going to be tested like this, 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 and this. You'd be like, don't sign me up. But part of following Christ, you're going to be tested. But that you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, one day, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess they're going to see Jesus as Lord. I mean, when his feet hit the, the Mount of Olives and it splits in two, come on, everybody's going to know Jesus is Lord. Though now you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is good scripture. <laughs> you have a faith that cannot be, uh, it's guarded by God himself preparing you. He's put a seal on your heart. You are sealed. Make your sealed for the day of redemption. So there's times when it feels heavy and there's times when it feels like, ah, oh, I don't belong here. You're right. You don't belong here. You belong in heaven, right? You're going somewhere and God has called you his children. That's your identity. I want to put up this image with the three circles that I, I used this before, but I want to use this again in this sermon. See, your identity, everybody put your hand right on your chest. Your identity is your sonship. Come on. I've been writing a book on this I'm so excited about. I, I was in tears last uh, Thursday or Friday writing this about sonship. Being a child of God. Because see, Satan wants to attack your identity. And he wants to tell you your identity is defined by culture. Your identity is defined by your gifts, but it's not. Your identity is defined by the season you're in. It's not. No, your identity is defined by God alone, and you're a son, a daughter of God. 
That's why God doesn't look at you, Elijah, and say, you're identified, you're the drummer. No, he says, oh, you're a son who drums. That way, when, when the tension is gone and, the, and if, the, if the gifting is removed, if the, or I'm sorry, the, the drum booth, well, actually, the drum booth is gone today. But anyway, <laughs> see, a lot of people define themselves by their season. So then when they have a testing in their season, then they lose their faith because they've not defined themselves by their identity first as a child of God. You see, I happen to be a pastor right now, but I'm not so much a pastor as I am a son. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God first. Right? Lauren's in agriculture. But he's not first in agriculture. He's first a child of God. So Lauren, your farm could blow up today. I hope it doesn't. But the whole thing blows up. Lauren could say, it's cool. I'm a child of God. Because you know your provision comes from God. It doesn't so much come from the crops. It comes from where? God. Sonship. Everybody say sonship. And, and put up that image with the arrow about the testing, if you don't mind. The testing comes right there. Right in between your identity as a child of God and the season that you're in. See, I'm a child of God. Oh, but right now my coworker is testing me. Come on, how many guys got a Karen at y'all? Well, I won't even go there. Listen, come on now. Some, some poor lady named Karen. I feel so bad for you. Your name is Karen. Just just go to the courthouse and change it. <laughs> Make me Lisa. Make me something else. Anyway. <laughs> Your identity, sorry. I don't know where that whole thing Karen came from. But your identity has to be there. Because if your identity is wrapped up in what you do at work only, and someone comes against that. If your identity is wrapped up in the season that you're in. Because you're all going to be in different seasons. With a different title and a different position. Pastor Ed, Pastor Mark, where you at, Dad? He was here somewhere. There he is. Different season of life right now. Right? But he doesn't, they, they don't go, oh, man, I don't know who I am and I lose, lose my peace of mind. No. Sonship. What do you want me to do next, Lord? What do you want me to do next, Father? Right? Sonship. And that's where Daniel could keep his peace. That's why Daniel didn't bow down, but he stood firm in culture. You guys doing okay? We must remember and recite what is timeless in a culture that continues to change its values. Let me say that again. We must remember and recite what is timeless in a culture that continues to change its values. We have to remember what is timeless in changing times. Remember we said this last week. We find courage to keep our identity in a culture of compromise only through daily prayer and Bible study. We learned last week that uh, from the book of James, a double-minded man can accept to receive nothing from the Lord. So if you want to go there and look there for your answer that appeals you to, to, to you in that moment, it's going to be like shifting sands. You're going to build your life on sand. Then you're going to wonder why everything feels unstable. Instead, build your life on the rock who is Jesus Christ that we defined last week, the little rock that became a mountain that fills the whole earth that is unshakable. Amen? Instead of hiding from culture, you need to influence it. One of the things I love about Daniel is he didn't hide from culture. And as Christians, we tend to do one of the two of these things. We hide in fear 
and compromise and we lose our values. Or we rise up in rebellion and anger and we do so without love. Right? That's one of the two things that we do. But what we learn from Jesus is that you can stand on truth and walk in love. You can stand in truth and walk in love. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be loving. You can speak the truth and walk in love and obedience to the words and the ways of Jesus. When you know your identity as a child of God and you don't shift your values and your beliefs based on culture, you stand firm like Daniel and God will stand for you. I was thinking on the drive here, I was thinking about Stephen. I'm just going to go off script for just a minute, Lonnie. He's like, that's okay, I'm used to it. I'm sorry. Stephen, man, he gets stoned for his belief. They said, we're going to kill you right now. And do you know Jesus, in all of Scripture, it says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. You know what it says right there? He stood. Jesus stood for Stephen while he was losing his life. And you know what it said? Stephen was in the glory of God. Do you know, I personally believe the glory of God even stopped him from feeling all the pain. I, just my personal belief. I can't prove that. Just my, that's just, that's Jordan. That's not Bible for a moment, but I'm just telling you, that's my personal belief. I think the glory of God, right, was so on him that he just transitioned, just moved. Now, why would he do that? In the face of certain death. And I want to challenge you. I know this is a more challenging sermon series, but listen, I feel as your pastor to challenge you for the days to come. Dr. Michael Brown says it like this. If you don't know what you would die for, you don't know why you're living. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. Brown, he used to be uh, one of the teachers at the school I attended. If you don't know what you would die for, then you don't know why you're living. And I don't want you to get to a place where suddenly you have that choice and you're not ready for that choice. I want to prepare you as your pastor now for that choice. To realize Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worth it. And I know no one's putting a bullet to your head right now. I know no one's putting a gun to your head right now. But if that day were to come, right, that you're able to stand in your convictions, that you know who you are. Come on, ask your, turn to your neighbor right now and say, do you know who you are? What if instead of hiding from culture, you realized, I love this, hear this. What if instead of hiding, you realize God has placed you here for such a time as this? But what do we do? As, I love that this is here right now. Thank you, Tim, whoever put this here. This is what we do. I'm just going just gonna to do this. Oh, some people saw I'm a Christian. Oh, oh no, it's too scary, too scary. How many Christians do that? You don't need to live in fear. For stating who you are and what your family believes. About what you believe about the Bible. About what you believe about sexuality. What you believe about right and wrong. What you believe about integrity. What you, you, you don't have to hide in fear. God doesn't want you to. Jesus said you are the light of the world. 
a city on a hill. I'm sorry, but the Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus doesn't say, you are the salt of the earth. Keep it in the salt shaker. Right? That's not what he said. You are a light of the world. Please find a better shade. He doesn't say that. He says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine, right? So that those who see your good works, what? Glorify, what? Your Father in heaven. You're the light of the world. You're the city on a hill. You are not made to hide from culture. You are made to influence culture. Let me say it again. You are not hide, uh, meant to hide from culture. You are made to influence culture. Look what, look what Jesus said in John 17, 15. I'll wrap it up here in a minute. Oh, man, I'm halfway through. Lord, help me. John 17. He's praying and he said, my father... Or, I'm sorry, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Oh, man, I hope you get this. And if you've been here a while, you know I love to preach out of John 17. Because in John 17, you find sonship. Can we put up the concentric circles again with sonship at the middle? I love what Jesus says here. They are not of the world, just like I am not of the world. You see, some of you have to find your identity in Christ again. Where you say, it's not that I'm just, you know, living on my own and I kind of follow Jesus and Jesus is over there. No, Jesus is in you. In the same way that he has a father in heaven, you have a father in heaven. In the same way that the father in heaven looked down at Jesus' baptism and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He looks at you and says, this is my son. He says, Carrie, this is my daughter. This is my daughter, Carrie. I'm so proud of her. Carrie's awesome. He says, this is my daughter. This is my son. And let your identity come from that place of sonship. And can I tell you something? I got a little secret. That never changes. Never changes. How many would say it's a, it would be good for me to find my identity in something that never changes? Yeah. But what we do is we sometimes try to wrap our identity in something that is changing. In, in the season we're in, in the tension we're in, in the calling, in the position that we have. No, your identity is a child of God. And this Babylon mentality needs to be broken in all of us. Because it's not just the spirit of the age, it, it's literally the heart, if you will, of sin that says me first. Me first. We live in a very me first culture, don't we? Right? We live in a very selfie culture. <laughs> oh, man. Picked up my phone the other day. I got four daughters. One of them was making selfie pictures, you know, with, with the duck lips. Uh, she will remain unnamed. When they get a phone when they're older, I'm just going to blow up their phone with their, I'm going to be like, I'm just going to blow up their phone. They're going to open their phone. I'm just going to see their dad. I'm just going to do it just to mess with them. And I went and talked to her. I'm like, why are you doing that? It's okay. I didn't make her feel bad, too bad, a little bit bad. But we live in this very me first. I mean, we literally put filters, some of you, <laughs> on, you shall remain unnamed, on your photos. 
before you post them online. You don't want anyone to know that your life is not perfect. It's not. You're a dumpster fire. We all are. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay. I'm a dumpster fire too. What if we just got honest? What if we just got honest? Like literally the other day, I almost posted, I am losing it. In my parenting, his strength is made perfect. I literally, oh my, I just put it out, put it out there now. But I'm just telling you, the struggle is real. There are times when you are tested in culture and, and, and then there's demands on you and you're tired and you're, you need more sleep. And then you got to go, oh, but God, you're my father and you are good. And you give me the strength I need for today, for right now. I don't need to know what's going to happen next month. I don't need to know what's going to happen in 2022. I am good for today because I got peace for today from my father today. This is why Jesus went every single morning out for prayer. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's praying. Just leave him alone. He'll be back in a little bit. Come on. How many of you would find peace again if you would find your courage in your quiet place of prayer? Can you stand up to your feet? You see, here's the thing. When you don't follow God's way, I promise you, you will live in chaos and confusion. When you don't follow God's way, you will live in the whirlwind of chaos and confusion. I'm not saying your life's not going to be busy. We're all, we're all busy. We all have our, our things to do and our, our your work and your kids and this and that. I'm not saying that busy is bad. I'm just saying if the culture is telling you you have to do this and you have to celebrate that and you have to think like this, well, what if you went back to your, your quiet time with the Lord and, and you did what Jesus said to the seven churches? He said, what if you go back and did the first things over? What if you went back to your first love? Would you just bow your heads with me? I'm not gonna have you come forward, but I just wanna ask this. Raise your hand, and no one's looking around, but just raise your hand if you feel like, you know what, lately... I've been feeling confused, like the chaos is getting in me. Come on, raise your hand. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not even saying, I'm not even saying, um, you know, I sinned. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying the chaos, the chaos, the confusion is affecting my peace. Let me say it like that. Raise your hand. Yeah, so about 30 or 40% of you, Right? I think more than ever, as Christians, we feel this pressure, right, to, hey, you have to adapt. You will adapt. You will change. I, I've had three or four people uh, call me this last week, say, what do I do? They, they're not uh, being pressured. I'm going to lose my job. I stated my reason, though, and then lose my job. And every, every situation is different. Every, every testing is different. And there's going to be a time where you might be tested in something in 2022 that's totally different. Five years from now, you might have a test that's totally different. It's in a new season of life. And what do you got to remember? Who you are as a child of God. God says you are forgiven 
You are loved. You are called. You're called according to his purposes. You're loved. You're forgiven. Jesus in you. That's who you are. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. Now I want to give excuse me, an opportunity to anyone who's not put their faith in Christ yet. And maybe you have, maybe you accepted God as a teenager, but you've not lived for him the last decade or two. I want to give you an opportunity right now to put your faith in Jesus. Not to put your faith in shifting sands or a changing culture or a political system or even the assemblies of God. I think the assemblies of God is amazing. I'm not asking you to put your faith into a church. I'm asking you to put your faith in the Son of God. He is Jesus. He is perfect. And he came from heaven to die in your place. If you know you need that forgiveness, you need to be a child of God, would you raise your hand nice and high and I'm gonna pray with you. I'll give you just a minute. I know almost all of you, but there's, I know there's a few guests today. Come on. If you... Yes, thank you, young man. If you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ to be forgiven of your sins, we are so thankful for people who have God, who, who feel God speaking to them in moments like this. We've had, I believe, 25 people receive Christ this year. And there's another one who's already, his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We haven't even said the prayer yet, but God's already seen his heart. So we're going to all pray this together with this young man. Can we do this? Dear Father, forgive me. I was living for me, living for myself. And I need you to forgive me of my sin and my pride. And I just want to thank you for going to the cross and taking my place, my punishment. Thank you for washing me clean, making Jesus my brother, making you my father. I choose to follow you every day of my life. I will be tested. It'll be hard, but I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we praise God for a young man giving his heart to Jesus right now? Young man, it's a beautiful thing, giving your heart to Jesus. I just feel the, the need, I almost said the need for speed. I feel the need to pray for you right now. Some specifics. Can you reach your hands towards this young man? I just want to tell you, you have like a protector uh, call on your life that's awesome. You really want to protect the vulnerable and those who cannot defend themselves. And I want to tell you, God loves that about you. And even before you gave your heart to Jesus, check this out, God already put that in you. God already put his heart to protect vulnerable people who cannot protect themselves. I even feel like you've been in actual physical fights protecting people. I don't know. I just feel like you're like, look, I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to protect you. Can I tell you something, young man? God's jumping in there protecting you. 
Jesus said, let me jump in. Let me protect you. Jesus said, let me take the punishment for you. In the same way that you've jumped in for other people and taken their place, Jesus says, I did that for you. I jumped on the cross and I took those nails for you. He loves you so much. And there's nothing that's ever gonna stop his love for you. And God's love is gonna flow through you and shine through you. You're a warrior, brother. You're a warrior. And it's awesome. And we just bless you. We bless you today. In fact, can we all just say, I bless you. Listen, I hope you have a great rest of your week. And next week, no in-person services. We want you to relax with your family. But you can tune in at 1015. And we're going to talk about something pretty, pretty important. Thanks.